Hey Rockheads, if you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's great for kids doing homework, great for reading, great for writing, anything that you need to focus on. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments and more at mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1123, with guest Heather Downing. Recorded Saturday, March 21st, 2015. And welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're here at the Nebraska Code Camp. Uh, we've been doing a few shows from here and uh, having a lot of fun in Lincoln, Nebraska. Absolutely. And uh, the well, weather is a shockingly nice for early March. Yeah. It, it, uh, okay. So I got to tell you this. I, okay. I've been getting crap from my wife for the last couple of years because every time I traveled last year, it snowed. It snowed. Yeah. And you were yeah. never home for it. I was never home for a snowstorm. So that there, you know, her sisters and her mother were all like that jerk you know every time he goes away <laughs> it snows he's in cahoots with the weatherman and then this year for the most of the winter which never ended it just snowed the whole time just snowed it's the still whole going time on. and you know i said okay now can we put that little theory to rest yeah and and sure as hell i come out here to lincoln where and it's like 65 degrees out yesterday yep and it snowed at home <laughs> and so now i'm back on the dog list there you go it's all your fault yeah, it's all my fault i like the idea that the weatherman has anything to do with setting the weather that's true like, okay they're just guessing really well even if they're not guessing they're telling you what it's going to be they're not going to decide what it's going to be yeah we get we get into that magic thinking don't we yeah we do pretty quickly well not me but some people do anyway let's roll the music for better know framework because awesome. i got something fun <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, if you go to tinyurl.com slash XamarinCC, Xamarin Custom Controls, this is a blog post by James Montemagno from June of last year uh, using custom controls in Xamarin Forms on Android. And so this is an Android implementation of a custom control. But it's a great way to start if you're doing Xamarin Forms development and you want to build your own controls. Right. This is all of the pieces of the puzzle that need to come, uh, come to play. And he writes elegantly and simply with code examples and, and screenshots. And, uh, and it's just great. There's a whole ecosystem of custom controls around Xamarin Forms. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't write your own. Neat. Yeah. So, James, thanks. That's a, a great blog post. And, and I hadn't seen it until now. But uh, I'm going to check it out. Custom renderers is the only thing that's, I think, missing from this. Um, and a custom renderer is something that you implement on each platform that overrides, for lack of a better word, uh, UI Sort of elements. default rendering? Yeah, default rendering. Right. So the way that you set font sizes, the way that you set uh, background colors, that kind of thing is different on each platform. But yet you want to have a, a, a standard interface so that they all they do it, they get called the same way. Right. But now yeah. you're able to make it more look more Apple-y or more Android-y. Or exactly. So I like that. Yeah. apple and Android-y. Yeah, so you like those? I did. Okay. I, isn't that a podcast? apple and Android-y? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's it. Xamarin CC. Yep. So who's talking to us, Richard? Well, funny you should mention James Montemagno, because I grabbed a comment off the show he did, 11.05. Okay. Where we're talking about mobile testing with Xamarin. 
And uh, Kevin Mack read this comment. Uh, he said, another great show. Gotta admit that it was interesting to hear the inner workings of Xamarin Test Cloud, given that the fragmentation of the market will be a problem that will always exist. It's a nice alternative. Yeah, because just sort of, you know, you bundle all those devices together and, and now we don't have to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Honestly, for it to go away implies that you can get Microsoft, Apple, and Google to the table and get them to agree on something. <laughs> Good luck with that. Personally, mm -hmm. I doubt you can get them to agree on where to order lunch from. But once again, given a rough situation, Xamarin has found an excellent way to make life a little easier. Thanks for reading my comment, guys. I'm excited to receive a mug. I bet they'd all share a bowl of granola, though. Yeah. You I, think? I don't know if that's true. Maybe they wouldn't share the same bowl, but they would all sit down to a bowl of granola, I bet. Which you want them to. Right? That's an entirely different question. I would just like a touch API. Could we have one of those? I mean, how hard is it? All right, I'm going too far. Uh, and Kevin goes on to say, and you're right, compared to Eclipse, Xamarin is a breath of fresh air, and a year later I could say it's not a perfect solution, nope. but in an imperfect world, it definitely made things easier. Thanks again. Yeah, uh, somebody in the, in the Xamarin Forms class said it's one-time pain, and while that's sort of true, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one-time severe pain, but ongoing little pains. Let's put it that way. Yeah, nothing yeah. comes for free, and, no. and, and it is definitely, it's evolving. I, we keep forgetting Xamarin Forms is a 1.0 product, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. there's, a, there, there's a lot more to be done there, and it's only going to get better. So, Kevin, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or with any of our mobile apps, because we've got them for Windows 8, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and iOS. And that brings us to our guest, Heather Downing. She's a coder, entrepreneur, and passionate for the possible and impossible, and author of the shortest bio I've ever read on this show. That's awesome. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm Hi. happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Well, uh, I, I met you a couple of days ago in my class, and, uh, and that was good? Good class? It was a good class, but it does touch on the uh, painful setup process. I actually mentioned it yeah. during my speaker session. Oh, really? But yes, I said it adds a layer of complexity for setup. Yep, a whole, uh, half the class is all set up, and that's just about as much time as it takes. But it's, it's one of those truisms, right? Every time you're going to develop on any stack, you've got to get to hello world and sort of exercise yeah. that vertical stripe through being able to build and deploy. And then you can start on stuff. And the more platforms you add, the harder this is. Yeah, you're basically doing three hello worlds. You're not yeah. doing just one, and so it can be special. As I don't think anybody in our class actually got up by iOS build host, did they? No, no, <laughs> nobody did. Uh, no, that's... That's not true. The one guy who was struggling with the network thing did. Uh, yes, yeah. and he's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He actually got it working. And, and what was weird was that uh, he used the, the Wi-Fi to connect the Mac to the PC, which doesn't usually work at, 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 conferences, at conferences because no. of the firewall issue, but they had it wide open here. Oh, this is probably the best wireless I've ever had at a conference, so yeah. kudos to Nebraska like Code for that. 40 down, 40 up. Yeah, it's stinky fast, and funny is, you're right, it's not locked down, but I used their wired connection because I had a bunch of files to upload, and it is locked down. Ah. <laughs> so they're kind of <laughs> Stick like, with the Wi-Fi. Yeah, they're kind of saying, as long as you connect to Wi-Fi, you can ruin each other's computers, no problem, right. but stay away from ours, okay? <laughs> yeah. So you had, you had uh, asked... People just informally, Heather, in the class, what was the first mobile app you've, you wrote? And so tell, tell us, what was the first mobile app that you wrote? Um, 
Well, I'm a very beginning Android user from the very first time one of them came out. I know that there was an HTC phone that came out, but I had the Google G1 with the flip-out keyboard. Wow. Yeah. That, hang on to that. that is I now actually a, still have it. It's an heirloom, right? <laughs> it is, it is. But I looked at that and I'm like, how does this work? Yeah. There are many factors to have uh, inspired me to go into mobile, but uh, probably the biggest one was uh, Star Trek. So I am a Trekkie. Sorry to all the Star Wars fans. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <So> <laughs> fan you will be sooner or later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, so I'm specifically a next generation fan because who doesn't love Captain Picard, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was watching, re-watching that series, um, I said, oh, I wonder where all these actors are. And there's a wonderful site called IMDb that provides that for you. Mm-hmm. But um, I liked having the facts of their career, quotation marks, uh, as the characters on the show as how they grew, and mm-hmm. then their career as actors. Mm-hmm. So I just built a little Android app that really didn't do anything. It was all static data. There was nothing that I st- truly connected to, but it was exciting for me. I got to draw things to the screen mm-hmm. using Eclipse, and um, I just tap on their on their uh, picture, and it would toggle um, their real actor information with their character information. Sort of expand some text below the picture or next to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So static. But, you know, if you've never, ever done that before, and as early on as I was an adapter to mobile, it was like a big deal. Right. It was a big deal to do that, and everybody's like... I want to just, I just want to see how it works. Yeah. Of course, I looked at it years later and I went, oh, that was so terrible. <laughs> Why would I <laughs> ever? start somewhere though. And like I say in my talk, that's a perfect candidate for a mobile website. Not mm. an app. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right. right. But that was my very first one. And mobile web, uh, do you do that as well? I mobile do. HTML? Yeah. I do. There are some amazing frameworks out there for the web uh, that feel native. Mm. right now. Mm. Um, I know that a lot of them are kind of in their beta infancy. Um, I did play with Polymer a little bit, and it's beautiful. Mm. Um, On the Android side of things, material design is kind of the new buzzword, right? But it really is lovely. Uh, Unfortunately, you can't really integrate it too much for iOS users because they're not really into the way that that uh, is laid out on the screen, but it is Mm. still really cool to have that experience. Interestingly enough, you know, browsers can detect which kind of device you're coming from. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, you could create separate UIs, mobile web, for a different experience for iOS and Android and then Windows 8. Mm-hmm. And I don't see why you couldn't. Mm. This isn't something that I would say is a common practice yet because we yeah. didn't think about cross-platform like websites. Yeah, yeah. We, we just think it's a website. So And all browsers are equal. <laughs> well, there's things like Kendo UI that sort of try to emulate the, well, in the mobile... Kendo UI, try to emulate the, the UI of the native platform. Absolutely. And that's pretty cool. And they actually got it for Windows Phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It's kind of a, a different Challenge. way to, to look at it, to separate your UI even at a website level. Mm. I mean, not very many people do that because, you know, there isn't a need. But if you want to create a very native feel, you do that. And mm. you can detect that it isn't very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, just, it, I mean, in the end, is it just subbing in a different style sheet? Or is it, you know, more? Oh, well, it kind of depends. I yeah. mean, there are some things that go into it. I know that Corey House was talking about Shadow DOM uh, right. and then the, the next uh, phase of web components. Mm. Um, there are definitely places you can hide and show menus based on, you know, what kind of devices v- is viewing your site. Right. Mm. That is a perfect candidate for that. Of course, it's not an IE, so. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Well, and there is this sort of mentality of what, what is the lowest common denominator? How do I build the base site that will work on everything no matter what, even if it's a, quote, inferior style, and then yeah. start picking up, now I'm going to optimize for iOS, I'm going to optimize for Chrome Android versus the evil browser Android. <laughs> An evil browser. The evil browser. <laughs> Honestly, even the lowest browser level really can't see much of what we have uh, had in the web for years. Right. So HTML5, I don't really see that much of a problem. Really, at the end of the day, it all comes down to style. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a cutoff point. You're not implementing against links. You know, like this, some of these really ancient browsers. Something's not going to render. For me, it, it makes less. It's less important that it look like a uh, an iPhone app or a Android app or Windows Phone app in the in the browser, and just more important that everything is clear, you know, and everything is visible and nothing overlaps in a weird way, you know. Just that stuff just shows up. That's that's probably the most important thing, don't you agree? I mean, and that can be difficult too. I can, um, you know. <clears throat> we have options in a browser that you don't have in an app. Right. You'll always have a built-in back button. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. There's also the ugliness of, the, of that address bar, though. Yeah. Right. And sometimes I've seen options where people go, hey, go full screen with it. So mm -hmm. you take, it, take that a whole thing away, and it truly feels like it's native yeah. without being installed on the phone, which is an important mm -hmm. differentiation from hybrid. Well, just getting away from the battle of the app store. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you, like everybody and their mother says, I, I want somebody to make me an app. Why? Just so you can be in there? Yeah. I mean, it's right. exciting. Everybody wants to join the, right. the, the cool surfer crowd. But I mean, but there, to me, there's less of the people who say they want an app, less than 50% of them actually need it. Or, yeah, yeah and 80% of them don't do the research to find out that that app is already there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that was an interesting topic. So I've been a part of a couple of hackathons and startup weekends. Those are fantastic to go to because then you get to see your product owners that are like, hey, I want to do this thing. And it's just like a dating app, but different. It's not different. <laughs> it's not different. At all. It is yeah. a dating app. Let's just It is a dating on. app. And that's cool. You want to be the best one. There are ways you can be the best one. I don't know. Fix your algorithms for one. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the biggest one, right? Some people say Match.com works for me, or this other app, or maybe maybe Tinder works for you. Good for you, but yeah, <laughs> it kind of depends on who you are. It's okay to enter the market, but you have to have true value right. Right. to it. Um, I ended up working on an application with somebody else that said, you know, I just don't like Word. I don't really like any of the text editors that are available for any phone. Right. So I want to do something better. So they did very much like a sublime text style app and it worked awesomely. It was just for fun. They just wanted to do it. It took off in the app store. It was amazing how quickly because it was something simple. Right. And that is something that we as developers don't like to embrace. We don't like to embrace That's simplicity. Right. It's hard for us. It's also hard for me. There's no challenge, right? Yeah. Oh, Why should I like do that? That statement that more than half of the people who want an app really just need a good responsive mobile website. You know how hard that is for me? Because <laughs> I would love to build apps that are deployable to all different platforms. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That is where my heart is. But I had to get pretty decent at doing some responsive websites. And I got to tell you, if somebody only has, you know, X amount of dollars, there's no way they're going to invest in a, in a license from Xamarin mm. or... Um, 
God, there's so many now. Right. <laughs> there's so many different frameworks now. Right. Maybe to get them that result, you have to compromise. Right. And that's well, you're always going to compromise somehow. It's just a question of what they see and what they don't see. Yeah, I think Lee said something yesterday during your podcast um, that kind of stuck with me. Like, why would you use the Taj Mahal to just get out of the rain? Like yeah. that, that is yeah. that's a great line. It, it is a good line. I'm going to steal it forever now. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lee, I think. Said I think that. that was Lee that, that said that. that. Was yeah, Lee. absolutely. Yeah. I had a guy come to me and say, I have an idea for an app. And this happens to me all the time. You know, sure once people know I'm a developer, <laughs> I have an idea from the app. And the next thing out of their mouth is, uh, we'll go 50-50. You, <laughs> you, you do all the work, develop it, take all the risk. And then because I had the idea, I'll split the revenue with you 50-50. So then, all right, I, of course I'm not going to do that. But I listen to what it is anyway. So this one was like, I want, I want an app like Waze. Except right. that I want it to tell me there's an accident over here, go around it. And I said, well, Waze does that. And he goes, yeah, but not really. And I said, so what I think you want is a new feature of Waze. He goes, yeah, but we could just make an app. I said, listen, you can go one of two ways. You can call Waze or suggest a feature and get what you want, most likely, yeah. right. or you can compete with Waze. What are you, crazy? <laughs> You're going to do all of that other stuff plus your feature, and you don't even write code. Yeah, yeah but I'm going to get it, somebody to do it for me. Okay. So Let me know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, how's that working out for you? But anyway, it speaks to the fact that you have an idea, go look it up. Go, go see if somebody's doing it already. Right. And, and then... Nine times out of ten, they are. But then, find the most popular one, suggest the feature. Because nine times out of ten, you just want the feature on your phone, right. right? You're speaking from the, you know, end user product owner perspective, though. You're not yeah. speaking from the dev perspective. The dev perspective, <laughs> Is, I can do that better. That's right. always how we feel, right? I can Write do that better. Write more code. Yeah. Billy Hollis is right. It's a disease. Yeah. We're addicted to code. Something that I would challenge every single dev to try. I don't care what platform it is, whether you go native, hybrid, whatever. Write an app over a weekend. Do it to yourself. Make it stupid. Mm -hmm. Because as we all know, plenty of stupid apps take off and make millions yeah. of dollars out in the app stores. Yes. Just try it. It can be something stupid, like uh, just a sound maker. That little flashlight app, I'm telling you, all it does is turn on my flash from the camera and indefinitely until I turn it off. That's all it does. That thing makes so much money. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's the popular... It's, it's almost embarrassing, right? When those apps are the winners, like, you, that, that's the one that actually pulls things down. And I'm, you know what I'm thinking of is Atley Hunter. Atley comes mm -hmm. to mind, like, yeah. There's a guy who just makes hundreds of apps. Any idea he gets, cranks it out, sees if it gets traction, and then, you know, advances it from there. But there's an important distinction between an entrepreneur and a developer who's messing around. Yeah. So, if you kind of decides you're both, which is kind of the new black now, right? Is that we're a dev, but we're also an entrepreneur. Right. Because we're all going to write the next Facebook. Uh, <laughs> you well, know. and it, I mean, the app model lets us be garage developers again. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is exciting because our overhead is little to none. Yeah. Really, when it comes down to it, even from hosting, Azure's cheap. And if you get an... Um, as long as nobody uses account. it, it doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It kinda, and then, but see, that also makes you think about data yeah. and transfer and going over networks. And those are things that we don't care about on most websites. We'll get to a, you know, a right. computer Whatever. that can see the website. I mean, we feel that way, but uh, an end user doesn't 
know that your app is not broken. It's just that they have crappy reception. Right. And so m many times we don't communicate that to the end user, yeah. which kind of gets into UX. You have to think about it from that perspective because whether or not we like it, that's like 80% of an app to the end user is what it looks like and feels like. Right. They don't really care how much code went into it. They care that it does something, like saves data. That's great. Yeah. But they want it to be something easy. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to give easy because we want to be complicated. I want to do, you know, the console of the enterprise. You know, I want to do that. <laughs> that looks awesome <laughs> to me. But somebody else just wants something to work One button, quickly. please. You know, but that easy button thing that yeah. Staples talks about right. is true. Like, that's all I want. Just yes. something really quick that I can do this way. So you write a, one that has an engage button and you hear Patrick Stewart go, engage. You know right, what, though? That go. would probably, like, have a billion downloads. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but good error messages. Like, I oh, can't yeah. tell you how angry I get about a piece of software yelling at me about how bad my connection is. It's like, I got four bars. What yeah. are you talking about? Your service is down, and so now I've got a bad connection? Yeah. Well, and it, it depends. So, yes, you need to think about that. And as part of my speaker session, I talked about pairing with a really good UI UX person. Mm -hmm. If you're not that person, that's okay. You don't need to be so full stack that you stretch you know, your limitations out there. There are people that are good for a reason. Painters paint, plumbers plumb. Yeah. So you know, that's okay. And if you can't afford the best person, go find an art student. Go find yeah. somebody who's, everybody wants to see their canvas a reality. Devs are really valuable to the art community. Mm. So it will take nothing to find somebody who is better than you yep. at creating a good end user experience. And, and folks want to be valued, too. I mean, I think people are often, we undervalue our own skill. And mm -hmm. I've seen this with lots of art-talented folks, oh, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is nothing. It's like, it's something I couldn't do, so it's valuable to me. Oh, yeah. Apps actually are a great bridge to bring a whole bunch of different kinds of people together. Um, like I said, take a weekend and do it. Have somebody who is the idea. He mm. said, no, this is my vision. This is what I'm seeing. Then mm. you have somebody who comes in and thinks about, well, where do we put all that data? What do we do with it? A little bit more logistical role. The cynical person. Mm. You need one cynical person. Mm -hmm. They kind of balance them out, right? Yeah. I want to build rainbows. And they're like, <laughs> that's great. Rainbows don't exist, but we can paint one on a screen for you. I mean, or you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's good to have that person to balance it out. Then you have the artist who really brings that rainbow to light. Then you have the developer going, okay, so which hex color is that and that color and, right. you know. <laughs> but once you do it, you have a cohesive team of people that otherwise would never have gotten together. Sure. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've experienced that is different. That's what um, kids, like in elementary school, like just they, they all want to make stuff. They all want to do this. I'm developing an app with Jerry Jamot, who's a famous bass player. Google him, J-E-M-M-O-T-T. -T, mm. He wants to teach music using colors. And he's got yeah. a whole system that maps uh, notes, keys, basically, to colors. And for anybody who knows music, with a color system, there's no accidentals. There's no sharps and flats. So the whole concept of keys and sharps and flats sort of goes away. And now you say, play me a song in the key of red. Mm. Yeah. That's and, cool. Uh, but he still uses things like the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the diminished you know, chord names. Those are all real things, but we just don't describe them using sharps and flats. We describe them using colors. Hmm. And it's, it's going to be a fascinating thing to do. 
But, you know, there's, there's an artist who is not computer savvy, but understands the relationship between the notes and the colors. And, you know, telling a programmer, me, what he wants to happen on the screen when, you know, when he plays on a keyboard, for example. And I appreciate that he's, I mean, yes, he's coming to you with an idea. Right. But he also had an algorithm in his pocket, yeah, too, right? He's like, got, he's actually thought through the problem and is bringing an important asset to the right. app. He's got the con, he knows exactly what it needs to do. He's got the content. Now he just needs a developer for it. And there is nothing like that out there. It's no. really interesting. Yeah. And it's cool to be a part of those. Um, sometimes it can be a little daunting, right? Mm. Looking at it. Sometimes it is simple. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, that is something that has been solved for 10 years, but it's mm. just never been solved in that niche, in that way. Or maybe as simply, right? You know, right. and one of the things that I spent a day with him, and we started with um, a, a white paper that was so academic, it made my head spin. And I just had to get him to simplify, 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 and boil it down to the essence. So and you're a musician. With, yeah. This, you should have just gotten this, you'd think. As a musician, I would have thought you would have been on it immediately. No, no, no. I mean, there's a, there's a left brain portion to music, which is all about numbers and notes theory. and science and theory and all that stuff. And, and then there's the music side of it, which is about you know, sound, tone, relationships, harmonies, and things like that that are all very much part of, you know, listening in your ear. More visceral. Yeah, more visceral, exactly. And while, you know, I understand the theory, that's not how I think about music. Right. So this was an academic paper, very, very left-brained. Very left-brained. You were trying to make it more into, how would you play this? And not only that, but to simplify it in so that it becomes a, a programming problem that's approachable. Right. And something that we can divide into simple pieces get it to an algorithm yeah yeah but i think we do that all the time as designers and developers we take you know something that is a, a big picture that has all these crazy uh tangents and moving parts and and algorithms and things and we break it down into simple digestible pieces i mean that's what software development is so good software development is good software <laughs> <laughs> but that you know it leads to complexity too you know you, you break down those all those pieces and you assemble them in different ways right I don't allow myself to think that way. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, uh, especially when I was in my first year as a developer, I would look at code, someone else's code. This is a classic example. And I went, I have no idea what that does. Right. And sometimes you can't really step through it. it you know, it depends on the situation. Um, Visual Studio is a fantastic tool to be able to step mm, through. Right. But how much time would that take for you to go, well, what does this exactly do? I mean, I get that that's a, a while loop, but... You know, sometimes people are not very clear with their code. And so now I want anybody that reads it to instantaneously get it. I guess mm. it's more of a semantic style of, yeah. of coding. Um, but <laughs> I notice when I think that way, it's amazing. You know, my program isn't buggy. Mm. It's, it's suddenly, it's like because it became clearer to me, the computer can do it that much faster. Right. Yeah, that kind of simplification and works so all around. It gets even more complex when you're trying to step through code that can't be stepped through, like stuff that has uh, asynchronous stuff going on or yeah. callbacks and you where know, you, you connect programming comes to mind. You don't yeah. know what order things are actually going to happen in. Right. And, and you know, you, you hit one line of code somewhere and then all of a sudden you're back in a, in a callback. Right. Because while you were doing that, it arrived. came in. Yeah. Yeah. That's not hard to read at all. No. It's also really a bear to test. Yes. Yes. Um, you're, after your first app... Where did you go from there? What, uh, what did you embrace afterwards? 
Uh, I threw myself upon the mercy of an internship. That's where I went. Wow. <laughs> and what was that all about? Uh, I worked at a very, very cool mobile marketing agency. That was amazing. Uh, probably the hardest work I've ever done. Mm. Um, that was when I decided to go to school simultaneously. Wow. <laughs> yes. I'm not stressed enough. I think I'll add <laughs> school to this too. Yeah, I'm a career changer. Yeah. So um, I actually went to one of those, you know, hey, like learn programming in five months kind of places. And mm. you know what? It worked. It wow. at least got me off the ground. But I'll tell you that regardless of where you go, whether it's a you know, a two-year tech school, a four-year, where you do kind of like a half-year kind of thing like I did. It is all about how much you immerse and your dedication to it. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Code you wrote outside of class, I got to think, would be the more important part. Um, I will tell you that the things they do not teach you is how to process your life as a developer. Like, I didn't understand how important the communication process is between teams. I didn't know mm. anything about that. Right. You know, at one point I went back, I said, how come you don't teach Agile? And they're like, because that's the current process, but there could be another process in mm. another five years. And, you, you know, it's, it's hard for institutions to keep up. Yeah. Why would right. we update our curriculum? That's just crazy talk. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that they said that means they don't understand what Agile is. I mean, there's right. two, they could have taken any piece of it and included that as a way of teaching what they're currently teaching. So I don't. Right, because really what you learn is a waterfall stuff. approach. Really, you know, that's kind of what you learn in school. You don't right. think about things, you but know, And I think chunks. it's also a byproduct of curriculum. Mm. We have a plan with a known end goal. Right. We're going to get to it in six weeks. Don't mess with it. Right. And, it, and because it's been done a bunch of semesters before that, so we know what it's going to happen. It's a natural waterfall. Agile deals with uncertainty. There is no uncertainty in a school that's curriculum. Scary that's scary right. for somebody who's new and has never seen anything before. Yeah. I walked into my first week of class and I learned data types and I was like, I feel like a wizard. Like it was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was. It was a great feeling. The next week we had to do a Magic 8-Ball app. I was so lost. Oh. And I didn't know what to do with it. It turns out that you know console apps are not for me. You know, <laughs> fair enough. I'm a very visual learner. Right. I, need, I need, you know, that visual and, feedback. And so mm -hmm. the UI helped create a framework in your mind for absolutely. how the code was going to work. I like that. It's yeah. really interesting. I absolutely, which is why apps appeal, mobile apps appeal to me so sure. much because then you also add touch. You add that whole experience mm. um, to that. So that you got your, you know, your eyes going, and you've got that process going. You've got a vis whole visual statement, but you also have how it felt to you. Right. And you're creating little memory loops in your user. Sure. Going through your app. Now, I can go through apps super fast. You know, we all know where every uh, tab is on our Twitter app, right? We know right. how fast we can go through things and catch up with everybody in 30 seconds or less. Yep. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. Time to announce my new mini-conference. Write a stupid app in a weekend.com. <laughs> <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. I've got to register that. Right? Yeah, I think everybody's going to come to that. That's brilliant. <laughs> what are, are you going to give away? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but right now, we're going to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Telerik Next. Speaking of conferences, Telerik Next is the first annual global developer and customer conference from Telerik. Held at the prestigious Hyatt Boston Harbor Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts on May 4th and 5th, Telerik invites you to come and join with developers from around the world to learn about modern app development and Telerik tools and best practices. From web to mobile to desktop, no platform will be left behind. So register at TelerikNext.com. 
to reserve your conference pass, plus the attendee party at the Science Center, and a special keynote from Mythbusters host Grant Imahara. So uh, use the promo code NETROCKS for $50 off that price. I love Mythbusters. <laughs> All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Davey Montgomery. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Davey just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. A big pile of awesome from our friends at Telerik. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member. But you got to join to get that benefit. And we also like to ask our guests... If, Heather, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you be buying? A drone. <laughs> Just one? <laughs> Predator? I want the really good one that I can fly over Japan and make a music video with. That's, that's the one I want. Whoa. Somebody do that? Okay, go. Uh, okay, <laughs> Those guys always do very cool videos. They too. do, yeah. but I'm an avid photographer. Right. Okay. I could have chosen that as a career. I love it. Do you know what the drone was? Was it like a Phantom Eye or something? Like, um, it's Brady the Oct I can't remember. It has, a, it has like eight, eight propellers. Eight yeah. propellers. It's amazing. Now, we saw, remember we saw that yeah, it one was, it in was Ireland. In Belfast. It was Belfast. Oh, and we, it was serious business, that thing. So we, were, you know, we came out of the Titanic Museum, I think. Right. We looked up. That thing is in the sky. Wow, how far away is that? It looked like a big thing very far away. And then I realized it was only 100 feet up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 200 feet up. And we walked. And we saw the guys that were operating it. But they had a DSLR camera, mm -hmm. you know, right at the bottom. And they were taking aerial footage of uh, Of the facility. Belfast. And there was a guy operating the camera. And there was a guy operating the machine. And they had all the spare batteries. And it was windy that day. It was windy. And that thing was rock solid. It was yeah. spooky Absolutely. steady. And it was coming down. It has a down. fantastic suspension cage for a vibration reduction. Yeah. Absolutely. But you pay for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah you that thing did not look like your $500 drone. So no. there's a guy in New London that has one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And electric boat General Dynamics has been very interested in this talking to this guy. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to be flying over where they're building nuclear submarines. No. They might have some words with you. They did. No, they'll just shoot it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. With a laser. It's funny. I got a, I got a phone call at one uh, time, and it was a security guard at Electric Boat. Right. And he was asking me about my Wi-Fi, because I had a Wi-Fi at the studio, which is directly across the river from where they build nuclear submarines. And uh, he said... And then he looked up, because of the SSID, PWAP, he looked up the website, PWAP.com, right. found the contact number and called me and wondered if it was inside Electric Boat. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm across the river. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of one of those weird things. Yeah. They get a little, they're a little, you know, touchy it's when one, it comes to... It's one of two places in the world where they build nuclear submarines. It's a big deal. Yeah. And General Dynamics owns Newport News now, too. Right. Yeah, so... It's all the same thing. All right, we geeked out enough. Okay. Yes. Drones. Drones. More drones. Yes, drones. And then technology that can control the drones. I'm into a Mayo right now. Oh. Has anybody seen the Mayo armband? Yeah, I've got one. It's awesome. It's interesting. You can say interesting. It's still awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's better, awesomely interesting. It's better than having to stay in one area that an infrared camera can, 
can view you. Right, in. right. Um, well, it's, and it's reading a lot of detailed muscle impulses. Oh, I know. Like it knows not only just the orientation of your arm and so forth, but what if your hands open or closed, individual fingers, like yes. it's you know, rotation of wrists because it's measuring the muscle impulses off right. your, your lower arm. Yeah. Right. And I know I have to uh, stray away from C sharp in order to do, uh, to interface with it, but that's okay. Yep. After touching Ruby, I'm ready to take on anything. But no, what I, I thought I would do is I'm an avid archer. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. Yes. Wait a minute. And, uh, you, have, you have horses. Yeah. Avid archer, avid photographer, web developer. What, <laughs> what, else is, what else do you do? What are we missing? Do you make cheese? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, you're only missing one thing. I sing in Elvish. Nice. <laughs> Elvish. And we're talking Tolkien's Elvish? Yes, Quenya to be specific. Right. Because there are two dialects, you know. Of course. And mostly what they used in the films was Sindarin, not Quenya. Wow. Easier for the actors to learn, perhaps? I don't know. All right. So That's a whole other topic. <laughs> so you're an avid archer. You were telling a story about that. Yes. Um, it's really hard when you're practicing by yourself without an instructor to maintain your form. Right. It's very difficult. Um, I know that there were some apps that allowed you to mount your phone like on a, a practice kind of bow mm-hmm. um, but they're still not very good that just gives you kind of a screen to shoot at that you're looking at through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it didn't really monitor how you're drawing mm-hmm. right and th- i think that would be perfect for the my arm man because mm-hmm. it would tell which muscles are engaging it also would be great for ballroom dancing like how much tension do you have in your hand when mm. you're dancing with your partner right. are you giving the right amount and it would give instantaneous feedback on your own so self propelled learning I yeah. think would be. and the right amount you know there's an interesting idea here a sort of overarching thing that says you don't necessarily follow a process to pass you have to get to a result Yes. Right. You want the right amount of tension there. You want the right pull direction. Like, I don't care how many times you practice until you have the Mm -hmm. right form. You don't pass. Right. You need to. It's not that practice makes perfect. It's practicing perfectly makes Makes perfect. perfect. Otherwise, all you're doing is patterning your muscles against things that are incorrect. That's why people Mm. constrain themselves while bowling. That's why guitar players get stuck in a rut, because instead of doing what's a little uncomfortable and stretching out, they do what they know. Over and over and over and over again. I do that as, a, as an equestrian as well. It's so difficult. I felt like uh, I rode for two years and then I went to a new instructor and she took away my stirrups and said, okay, balance. And I'm like, <laughs> how am I supposed to stay on the saddle? He right. just took away my Knees, lifeline. She right? said, no, that's because you're not using the right muscles. But how would I have known that? You know, yeah. I think eventually we'll get to a point where maybe we'll have saddles that'll have pressure points on them. And then we can tell whether or not you're holding on the right. Clearly, an IoT device waiting to be made. <laughs> right there. IoT is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, the next thing I want to learn, but it's way more complicated than uh, than I'm letting on. Your archery, <laughs> your archery uh, example reminded me of an app that I always want to write, and I get reminded of this nightly when I play darts with Kelly, and that is uh, a dart coach mm. with a connect that's above the dartboard looking at you. Two guys in the back just looked at each other and nodded. Mm-hmm. Are you writing one of those? Do you have one? You've seen him? They're going to buy one if you get oh. it done. Remember, yeah, you so, heard it here at .NET Rocks. So a connect <laughs> that's looking at you and understands the relationship in, of, in three dimensions of your arms and your balance and all that stuff. And then something that, and this is the hard part, but something that can tell where the dart landed. Right. It'd be easy to say, uh, I want to go for a triple 19. 
And so it knows you're going for a triple 19 and you just keep practicing. And all it has to do is really pattern recognition to tell what stances work, which ones don't. Right. Because if it knows what the result is, it knows, you know, you're more accurate when you're shifted, when it, your balance is shifted. Right. Uh, you know, you're, you're balanced or whatever. And it can tell you then after a while, uh, shift a little to the left, stand a little to the right, um, pull your arm back, your shoulder, your right shoulder needs to go up, it's dropping, that kind of stuff. The question is, and it, it, you talked exactly about this, Heather, it's like, is it just, like, how do you tell that your balance is right without knowing the tension on the leg? Exactly. Right, the actual tension And that tension is the, the difference muscle. that I think the arm band provides. Again, I'm not, I don't, I don't work for Maya. I, I don't. Right. Yeah. I, but I will tell you that, you know, I, I was enamored with ConnectJS. When yeah. that library came out, I was like, yes, mm -hmm. I can do this. Except you only see one field right. one side you can't possibly know what's happening behind you I mean I guess you could string a whole bunch of them together that sounds like an expensive project mm. <laughs> but yeah. 200 it, bucks at a go and that's only to just be able to see three-dimensionally that doesn't tell you how much pressure how how you're how you're holding something well you it it, it gives you a three-dimensional data stream but you can only represent it with two dimensions that's Correct. what you're talking about yeah so you can't see it you have to rely on the math and actually translate it somehow to some instruction that it could tell you to do. You know, my, my wife's in the clothing industry, and, they, we, and she actually works on the side of doing custom fit and things. Mm. And, uh, and one of them is the, the booths you would walk into into a bodysuit, and they would scan you top to bottom. Right. And there's a version made with connects that's about a quarter of the price of all the other ones, but they use 16 connects in it. Wow. Oh, my God. And, and the biggest problem, you think about all of those dots, from all those connects and yeah. actually making an accurate measurement of that's hard of your limbs right of how how big is your chest how big is your waist like mm. figuring in the end that's what clothing wants is the finished dimension not the dot cloud what's interesting about that is that it doesn't have to be so uh so high frequency in other words you don't have to get 30 frames a second no not at all you just actually you could take a snapshot you want one a good you know, still once a second you know one yeah. good still and then correlate them all together. So, right. so it's really not that complex. Yeah, but synthesizing that down to your actual measurements. Yeah. Not the point cloud. Not yeah. The, that yeah, that yeah. 3D representation. Yeah. Still, the muscle tension, and that's what the myos got, is it's yes. reading the electricity in your muscles, the mm -hmm. impulse to know what your muscle is doing. Mm-hmm. And it's available for public consumption. Yes. Well, I, was, I was on the Kickstarter for it and, and yeah. got one of the original ones. And I just found it fascinating. But for me, I, was, I had the Google Glass and I had the Mayo. And I'm thinking, I can cast spells now. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I can see what I'm doing and I can communicate just by moving my arms around. You're not going to know. Like, it's so arcane what you're doing at that you point. You can hook it up to an Oculus Rift, too. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking forward to HoloLens? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, a new piece of not quite done machinery coming out. That's right. Yeah, bring it on. We love it. Um, everything's beta. Even Xamarin Forms, I played with it when it was in beta. That was mm -hmm. an interesting challenge. Right. Yes, it was. And it, you think it's challenging today. It was even more so. Yeah, definitely wonky. So how, do you tend towards the, the XAML side of the, the mobile stack more than the HTML side? Like, do you have a preference? The answer is no. I really am about the right tool for the job. I mean, right. honestly, if you want to do it simply and you, you and it isn't really going to change, XAML works really well. Right. But I have not made a Xamarin app yet that doesn't dynamically create your view. Right. Like, 
you know, similar to the way that Angular does, right? Except everything's in the code behind. So it's yeah. literally, you know, creating your view and drawing your grid dynamically. And sometimes that has to happen. That does limit things, though. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if things are not already present, that can cause a little bit of problem. Um, again, Xamarin mm. Forms is in really in just its first year of life. Yep, right. The V1. Um, and, I, and it's cool. But when it, I first started it, I went, no, I'd, I'd rather just uh, not yeah. use Xamarin Forms and just go per platform and yeah. and go from there. But, you know, there are some really cool things about it. Um, but right now, I'm messing around with Ionic, which is a little bit different. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> it cool. is a little different. <clears throat> so I guess I'm not so much... Um, what do you like about Ionic? We did a show a while back with uh, Troy Miles, about, specifically about Ionic. I love the comparison. So most people focus on a stack. The learning curve is half the time. Wow. Like, again, Taj Mahal to get out of the rain. Right. I don't think... Mm -hmm. Why would you use Visual Studio just to fix a typo? Right. In, in, yeah. your, in your HTML. No, you wouldn't use your text editor. Right. I'm not saying that Ionic is not powerful in its own right, and I'm following it and famous because you know they're rewriting their own JavaScript engines to be a lot faster right. than what already exists. And that is what really interested me. So I think they're going to emerge probably as the leaders here mm. very mm. shortly. But Ionic, for me, I had never done any kind of programming like that before. Okay. I went in, I said, okay. My friend goes, you have to try this. And I said, Fine, like, I know you like Xamarin, but try this. And so I did, and I stood up an app in like an hour, and I never installed Bower, I'd never done any of that wow. um, command line style. So they're really leaning on the open source web stack to make this stuff easier. It, but it is, like, I could have done it on any kind of computer. Mm -hmm. And when it comes right down to it, what do you think teenagers and the next group of people are going to want to do? They want to know how fast they can do it. They don't care about licensing. Right. They don't care about any of that. We, right. want, we want developers to be passionate about it and make it easier for them to do. Mm. Unfortunately, not one of these platforms have really embraced that. Mm. And so they make it like, well, you have to jump through hoops if you want to make a mobile app. And we're like, why? Yeah. Isn't it hard enough to get kids to you know, f go through college? Like, Why can't we just yeah. make this fun for them and easy? And I found the learning curve for Ionic to be so fast compared right. to what I had to do, like what we had to do the other day in our class. Mm -hmm. But you don't get, it's not as verbose in terms of your options. But sure. what are you making? Right. The question is, what are you making? What are you trying to get to? Right. right. Well, I wonder if you were faster at Ionic because you'd gone through the Xamarin experience. It had nothing to do with that. Really? Yeah, so different. Totally different. I felt like the only thing that I really brought to the table was my experience with doing large enterprise apps and, and how to approach the plan. Yeah. My planning process was intact, so I knew that there were things I had to research. How we're publishing to the app stores. Yep. You know, how much of this is going to live on a server versus somewhere else. Mm. But using Cordova service to render all of those builds and deliver those files was very easy. Yeah. And again, it's open source. It cost me nothing to yeah. do. To actually right. push the build responsibility off to Adobe, such as it is. <laughs> how much plain old HTML, JavaScript, vanilla stuff do you do? All the time. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Right now I work at a company that just started their own uh, digital marketing division. Mm -hmm. And so right now I get to work with CMSs. Yeah. Woot. During my day job. <laughs> um, we're working on bringing in some mobile work as well uh, for me because that is, of course, my passion. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I do it all the time. And I actually have to work with web forms a little bit. Wow. <laughs> I know. What's, uh, what's in your inbox? What's on your to-do list? What's next for you, Heather? What's next for me? Oh, goodness. I really, 
I really want to do um, like a mobile boot camp for teens. Ah. For sure. I want to do it this year. And yeah. um, luckily, I live in the land of Google Fiber in Kansas City. So wow. Google Fiber is all about Coder Dojo and um, different initiatives. And so all I'd have to do really is say, I'm willing to do it on a Saturday or, or whatever. And we'd have tons and tons of schools um, that are willing to, to do that. I want to do that. And of course, I'm having um, my own app that is my own entrepreneurial app mm -hmm. coming out at the end of the summer. So Which is what? It's called Equismart. So okay. it's uh, basically, how do I put this? It's just an equine management system. Um, man, horse owners traditionally have never gotten away from paper. Right. <laughs> and so Interesting. It, it's true. It's kind of like um, oh, Carfax for horses. Right. So if oh, you wanna interesting. See, yeah, if you want to sell a horse, you want to know what their medical history is. There is no HIPAA law for animals. So I don't right. have to worry about that. And, um, you know, it's not like it's inventing something new. It's, it's, it's filling a need that doesn't exist. Not even in the well, you bring racing in, business. How do they have anything like this? You're bringing mobile and cloud to mm -hmm. equine management, right? Yeah. Like it, this is the opportunity space we have over and over again is take, oh, yeah. take all of these different industries that are doing things the old way and think through what the new way would look like with these kinds of tools. It's pretty compelling. Oh, I yeah. kind of think horse owners have uh, smartphones too. And, you know, horses are not inexpensive. Yeah. So usually cost of apps are never a problem. No. Right. You know, which is nice. Um, but really, that's not where the money is. The money is in the data. So, mm. I mean, I would put that out there for free for a year and say, okay, everybody, just start using it. It reminds me of Untap right the mm -hmm. beer app yep. where they're giving away the app but the collection of information they have about beer very valuable across north america is yeah in europe is amazing i mean texas a&m talked to me and said hey you know once you gather things for a year we'd like to know you know what are these horses eating like how often are they competing i mean how often do they have to have veterinary care mm, how sure. often are they being sold then it becomes a buying and selling tool how come your horse doesn't have an equismart number because mm. are you trying to hide their medical history? Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Then it becomes just a norm. So something that's provided for free just becomes part of a culture. And I take it you've done the work and there's nothing else like it out there. There is nothing else. There's individual closed circuit yeah. um, software systems that don't share. And that's what really bothers me. Like right. um, I want, I'll have an API, for instance. You know, you can call it and Put get it to there. it. Absolutely. Don't be afraid of sharing something that's cool in the end, you know? No. People totally will agree. come to you and it, it, the money will come tenfold. Yeah, it comes in the value. No, you, it really does sound like untapped for horses, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> you put the two together. You're not supposed to feed beer to horses. <laughs> but, but if you do, it should be Dos Equis. <laughs> <laughs> Heather Downing, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, and you guys as well. Thank you so much for asking me to come up here and talk about my passion. You bet. It's been great. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. 
See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 